Good afternoon. It's good to be with you and to have you tuning in to study God's Word with us today. If you will open your Bibles, your Old Testaments, to the book of Lamentations as we continue our study of that inspired writing. In Jeremiah's first two sorrow-filled poems in this particular book, we have already noted that sin ruined the nation of Judah, as it does any nation. And then in chapter 2, we took note of the fact that Jehovah God was faithful, faithful when he poured out his anger upon his disobedient children. Chapter 3 is Jeremiah's third lament. And like the other chapters, it is also a Hebrew acrostic poem, but this one allots three verses for each Hebrew letter in its alphabet, adding up to 66 verses. In the midst of Judah's and Jerusalem's grave affliction, all was not lost. Sorrow and pain weighed heavily upon them, but hope, hope could still be found. It could be found by turning and focusing on God, on Jehovah. With that said, if you will, turn your thoughts and your eyes to our scripture, our passage of this afternoon. Let us read Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone, and he has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I become a laughing stock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He's made me drunk with warm wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel and he's made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mine. Therefore... I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter, and let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit. Of these things the Lord does not approve. Who is there who speaks, and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Why should any living mortal or any man have offered complaint in view of his sins? Let us examine and probe our ways. Let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven, We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us, and you have slain and have not spared. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You made us mere offscouring and refuse in the midst of the peoples. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us. Devastation and destruction My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down unceasingly without stopping until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven. My eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. My enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird They have silenced me in the pit and have placed a stone on me. Waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit, and you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my cry for help. You drew near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. O Lord, You have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression, judged my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me. The lips of my assailants and their whispering are against me all day long. Look on their sitting and their rising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, O Lord. According to the work of their hands, you will give them hardness of heart. Your curse will be upon them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. As you go back now and begin to 
you know, discuss some of the points and outline the, these thoughts. Let us note here at the beginning of chapter 3 that Jeremiah expresses the idea of how he suffered alongside his kinsmen in Jerusalem. Although he was a righteous man and a faithful prophet, Jeremiah shared the burden of grief, a grief that was caused by the consequences of the nation's sins. As he laments the conditions of their dire circumstances, it seems to be that he speaks as one who is a representative of his own people. Interestingly, during the time of the nation's spiritual decline, a decline that led up to this defeat and destruction and devastation, sadly, in addition, Jeremiah, the prophet, was actually mistreated by his own people. A people who did not like God's message, a message of rebuke and judgment about sin. God's watchfulness and God's care for his faithful saints like Jeremiah doesn't always mean that they will always be exempt, that they will always be spared from all the suffering which occurs around them. The consequences of other people's sins can and they do impact us. Such is the sentiment of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, when God warns the generation in Moses' day about the father's sins and the consequence of those sins that would be felt by the second and third generations. And so as we note here in the beginning verses of Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah witnessed the rod of Jehovah's wrath. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction. A rod of wrath which left Israelites with feelings of hopelessness. And so you have a very dark picture, a very you know, sad and depressing you know, picture described here in these early verses. Darkness had surrounded them. Hardship had besieged them, as you note there in verse 2 and 5. He goes on even to describe how their flesh wasted away and their bones are broken and that God's arrows pierced even the inward parts. Verse 13. God's hand had been like a heavy chain. And he was like a lion which tears into pieces the victims and the prey. Jehovah God had filled his children, his people, with bitterness, shutting out their prayers and destroying whatever peace that remained. And so in the end, all the strength was gone and no hope remained And so verse 18 reads, So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. When Jeremiah focused inwardly on all of Jerusalem and Judah's afflictions and bitterness and devastation, it was a dark picture. It was depressing, and he was depressed. 
And is not that true with us as well? When we focus and dwell entirely on all the bad that's happening, on all the bad that we must endure and experience in this life, how does it make us feel? Well, it makes us depressed and discouraged, overwhelmed. But by recalling God's steadfast loving kindness, hope is restored. At least hope is restored to those who seek him. God is eternal. And because God is eternal, so is his compassion. He does not cease to be compassionate just because I perhaps have removed myself from his blessings due to my disobedience. Verse 22, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. Such is expressed by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, when he says, If we are faithless, God remains faithful. God doesn't, though, find pleasure in affliction. He doesn't find pleasure in afflicting his people. But rather, he longs to restore compassion to them. Such is the words of the Apostle Peter in his second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, when he talked about how God is long-suffering and does, does not desire any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is faithful every day. God's loving kindnesses, God's compassions, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In chapter 2, we noted that God is true to his word when it comes to his righteous judgments. But so is he true to his word regarding his bestowal of mercy as well. Hope can and hope is secured when we diligently focus on God, when we focus on God's attributes. And so we need to give attention to the right things. We need to be outward in our focus. That is, we need to be Godward and we need to be heavenward. And for that reason, you know, you know, we need to make God our portion, as Jeremiah says in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says, says my soul, therefore I have hope. I need to give attention to the right things. I need to meditate on the right things. And I need to make God my portion. What does that mean? Well, another way of saying that God is my share. He is my all. He is my confidence. He is the one that I need. And he is is all that I need. He is all that I want. He is my inheritance. But how do I go about doing that? How do I make God... My portion, my all, my inheritance. Well, we're told in verse 25 and 26 by seeking him. But not only seeking him, but also seeking him and waiting faithfully for the Lord's salvation, while at the same time bearing the yoke of his discipline. And so it is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. 
lessons that are learned well during youth are best. We need to accept God's reproaches. We need to accept God's discipline. And we need to do so while being slow to speak back. So Jeremiah talks about let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. James 1 talks about the righteousness of God, particularly in the context of receiving the law of liberty and how we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. That needs to be our attitude and our reaction to God's Word, when even it is a word of judgment and a word of admonishment, or even a word of rebuke, we need to receive and bear the yoke of God's disciplines. But God does not approve of the injustices men commit. And so Jeremiah talks about how, in verse 5, you know, that to deprive a man of justice in the presence of God and to defraud a man in his lawsuit, he says, the Lord does not approve this. God doesn't approve of injustices. And so therefore he will and he does execute his justice in his way and in his time. But as you continue to, to consider this lament of chapter 3, we then note how that sincere, genuine meditations on the Most High's judgments should stir up, should motivate repentance, especially in the lives of God's people, in the lives of God's children. The Israelites' present suffering in the days of Jeremiah was the consequence of their own sins, their bitter predicament. The devastation around them was their own doing. And so Jeremiah confesses, we have transgressed and rebelled. And so panic and pitfall have been fallen us. Devastation and destruction. They had no right to complain, verse 39. Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? And so the circumstances that Israelite was, the Israel was suffering as a nation was their own doing. They had refused to listen to the Most High's commandments. They had refused to listen to the Most High's warnings. And so in turn, God did not hear their prayers. Verse 42, we have transgressed, you have not pardoned. Verse 44, you've covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. Because they rejected God, God did not hear their prayers. God did not accept their prayers. God did not approve of their prayers. And in turn, God did not pardon them of their sins. Sin inflicts grief. Grief of all kinds. And it inflicts grief not only to the sinner himself, but also to all those around him. Sin inflicts grief to everybody. 
And so Jeremiah cried out, and he cries over what, what, what sin had done to Jerusalem. Verse 48, my eyes run down in streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah wasn't the guilty one in this picture. But yet he had suffered along with his kinsmen, and he cried over what was happening, knowing that it was God's justice being poured out, God's righteous anger being poured out against their sin. It is this realization that should cause God's people, God's children, to turn in repentance. But a genuine return to God cannot occur without an honest self-examination. Verse 40. Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. I like that expression the New American Version uses when it talks about how probe your ways. That is, look deep and look long, both inwardly and outwardly. Do not just wash the outside of a dish. We are vessels of God and vessels that need to be cleansed inwardly and outwardly. And so Jeremiah calls upon God in this lament, in this petition. He says, let us examine and probe our ways. And then let us return. To the Lord. But do so how? By lifting up both heart and hands to God. Verse 41. Vain confessions and empty professions do not save, but rather godly sorrow in the heart, a penitent heart toward God, is what produces real changes. Real change where in hands obey God's will. Drawing near to God, restoring fellowship with our Creator requires both the heart and hands of each sinner and each disobedient child. Such was the sentiment that is communicated in the, in the book of James in the New Testament, James chapter 4, and verse 8, where it said, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And so Jeremiah calls upon the people, let us examine and probe our ways. Let us return to the Lord, and let us lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. But this God, Jehovah, is a God not only who can and will hear his children's penitent prayers. But he is a God who will recompense injustices. It appears in this particular chapter, in this third lament, that Jeremiah recalls a time when he personally experienced God answering his prayers. That is, he cried out to Jehovah when he was cast into a pit, and God heard him, and God drew near him. Note verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. In verse 57, you drew near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. If you recall back in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 38, we are told of an account of what the Jews, what the Israelites had done to Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah's preaching was discouraging. 
It was a message of judgment. It was a message of rebuke, calling upon the people to repent. Leaders with the king's approval threw Jeremiah down into a cistern and left him there as he sank down into the mud. But God redeemed him. God redeemed Jeremiah's life, verse 58 in Lamentations 3. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. God redeemed Jeremiah on that occasion. And he did, did so through an unlikely warrior for justice. There was a man, by the name, an Ethiopian eunuch, by the name of Ebed-Melech, who served in the king's palace... When he sees what they have done to Jeremiah, he goes to the king and pleads the prophet's case. And in turn, King Zedekiah gives him the authority to rescue Jeremiah out of the cistern. And then Jeremiah ends up staying in the guardhouse. And so in turn, now the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 3 seems to be appealing now to the same God, to the same righteous judge, the only righteous judge, who's able to recompense the cruel wickedness that had been inflicted upon Jerusalem. In verse 64, he says, You will recompense them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. God is the God who sees all. Nothing escapes his notice. And he had seen the oppression, he had seen the vengeance, he had seen all the evil schemes that had been done by the Babylonians. Yes, they were God's instrument of discipline. They were God's instrument of chastisement. But God would hold them accountable accountable as well. And so here, as this lament concludes, Jeremiah interceded for his nation, for his own kinsmen, that God would repay the enemy accordingly. Chapter 3 is a lament that is all about hope. But real hope is not in man's wisdom, nor is it in man's strength. But rather, hope is in God. A God who is faithful, not only in outpouring his righteous anger, but also who is faithful in bestowing compassion upon those who turn away from their sins And turn back to walk by faith with God and in God. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, but you're not living and you're not walking by faith, you're not abiding in God's truth, you're not abiding in God's righteousness, then you need to repent. And turn to God. As Jeremiah says, you need to examine yourself, probe your ways, return to the Lord, and lift up your heart and hands toward God in heaven. The gospel of Christ is a message of hope because it's a message of forgiveness and cleansing and salvation. But it is not a message of condonance of sin. If your life is not right with God, we want to encourage you to look into God's word, search it, and come to know what you must do to make your life right with the Lord. 
If you are a Christian, you've been buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in his life, but you have strayed from his path, perhaps like the Israelites of old. Probe your ways, return to God in repentance and prayer, and lift up your heart and hands again to him. But if you're not a Christian, but you are a believer, we want to urge you to consider what Jesus commands you to do to be saved. That you must be willing to confess your faith in him, that he is the Son of God, and with repentance, be buried with him in baptism to wash away his sins so that you likewise will be raised up to walk a newness of life. If we can assist you anyway spiritually, we want to urge you to contact us. Give us a call, send us an, uh, uh, an email, let us know how we can assist you and help you in your journey to make your life right with God. I thank you for studying with us today. Have a good day.